How is everybody this week? I hope everybody's doing well. Patrick, thanks for your note. My new friend down under. I don't know if you're considered down under in New Zealand. No, my husband's shaking his head no. I have my husband here. Say hi. 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 (laughs) (laughs) What else should I say? I'm not going to tell him what else to say because this is what our topic today is going to be dealing with emotions. Oh, it's not going to be being spontaneous? No, it's about being emotion, dealing with the emotions of, let's say, a big, bad Super Bowl win. Do we have a big, bad Super Bowl win? It was a great, it was not bad. It was a great Super Bowl win. Was it a great Super Bowl win? So, Absolutely. So wait a minute, you're one of those Philadelphians that they talk about that never experienced a Philadelphia win until now. Well, that's untrue. It's just never been a Super Bowl victory until, until now. But in my lifetime, uh, we have won the World Series. We have won the Stanley Cup. And we have won the NBA championship. It's been, other than the World Series, it's been a long time for a lot of that stuff. But we have done those things. Okay, but for you, this game, what did this game mean to you? And the fact well, is you're sober, too. Let's my, put that, throw that out there. I'm throwing out there that he was also sober for this game, and he's been sober for a couple 24 hours, that's for sure. But go on. My favorite sport is football. And uh, the last time the Eagles won a national championship was in 1960, and I was born in 1961, so for me personally, it's been a long drought. It's been a lifetime <laughs> drought. So I was pretty excited. It's the third time I've seen them in the Super Bowl. Uh, the second time I've seen them in the Super Bowl and been sober. The first time they were in the Super Bowl, I was uh, 18 or 19 years old. And, and where uh, were you? I was in Boulder. I was at Boulder, the University where? of Colorado. Okay. And uh, they lost to uh, the Oakland Raiders. Was it sad? It was very disappointing, yes. But if you're an Eagles fan, um, you get used to disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) So we were sitting there and we're watching the game on Sunday, this past Sunday, and we're watching the Super Bowl and we're watching them play against the New England Patriots. And what emotions were you feeling that night? Well, I felt a little bit of everything. I was just, I was excited for my team. Um, I... Well, let's go by quarter. Let's go quarter by quarter because I can tell well, you what I was doing too. I don't know that my emotions changed too much quarter by quarter. I really had a strong feeling like I was not going to get overly excited until until the fourth quarter was over and there was a winner, and uh, and only at that point would I be excited. So I was hoping it would be the Eagles. It was looking like it would be the Eagles, but I've been watching the Eagles for a long time, and I was emotionally hedging my bet now for me you know for those people that know and listen all the time you know i'm from st louis so st louis has the home of the st louis baseball cardinals and they won all the time so there were tons of parades all the time so when i moved here no nobody has won since i lived here which has been since 1992 so that was a huge game for me on sunday and when that fourth third quarter or no it was the fourth quarter and i literally went into the corner and i started pretend jumping rope i literally did did you see me I saw you out of the corner of my eye, yes. Yeah, and I was really nervous. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. This is going to be terrible. Done like a true Eagles fan. Way to go. You've been around long enough, finally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that was scary, but I didn't want to drink. Did you want to drink? The thought never entered my head. So even watching all those Budweiser Dilly Dilly commercials, which I didn't even understand, but what about that? Did that make you? I don't really watch commercials. But they were on and you were sitting there, so did you watch them? Um, I, yeah, but I just, I just, I, I have this amazing talent for tuning anything out that I want to tune out. And 
I normally don't watch live TV, so I'm just well beer commercials for the people that are lucky enough out there that have a DVR. It's beer commercials, especially during the Super Bowl, are generally entertaining. They're very entertaining. It doesn't mean that you want to drink because it didn't make me want to drink. No. No. It didn't make me want to buy Budweiser, and it didn't make me want to buy water from Anheuser-Busch either, which apparently they have. And what do you think about the fact that they're going to give everybody in Philadelphia now, for those of you that don't know this, who don't live in Philadelphia. Miller Light, right? Excuse me. He meant Bud Light. Was it? I don't know. Yeah, it's a Bud Light. Well, I think it's great because they made a bet, and they... They lost, and they're going to pay up, so good for them. So they're going to give everybody in Philadelphia beer. Anybody who wants one. Isn't that crazy? I think that's great. So what if you were newly sober, and you were like a huge, long-time Eagles fan, and you were like, oh my gosh, I really want to go to this parade. By the way, they're having a humongous parade with it. They're expecting 3 million people at this Thursday here in Philadelphia. We won't be here because we're going to be down in Charleston, South Carolina, visiting our daughters, but... If we were here, would we go? I don't know. I, you know, I guess we're not going to be here, so we'll never find out. <laughs> I know my son wanted to come home, but I'm, of course, he's down in North Carolina and he did, is not coming home because let's face it, it's not wor- worth, I mean, I understand there's going to be 3 million people. So how are you going to be able to see? My whole thing is like serving beer to everybody. I guess if you're, if you made a promise to supply everyone with beer, then you're expected to do it. But like at the same time, if I were newly sober, I don't know if I'd be going to that event. If you had a friend or you were giving advice to someone that's newly sober, what would you say? Well, I would say let's just let's talk about things, okay? So let's talk about what's important to you, uh, what's most important to you, and you know what would uh, going to the uh, Eagles victory parade um, possibly uh, uh, put in danger of things that are important to you. So if uh, you're new to sobriety and your sobriety is important to you, then you might want to talk about it a little bit. Is that really a place that you want to be? Is it? Would it be worth it to go down there and lose your sobriety to see the parade? And if, it's, if you decide, yes, it would be worth it, then you should go for it. And let's just talk, let's get that a little more depth because let's face it, everybody around the country, everybody around the world has a big event that they want to go to where there's different sorts of spirits and alcohol and booze and those sort of things. And if you are newly sober, it's probably, you know, it's really important to talk to somebody before you go into an event where you could have your emotions get peaked and have that temptation there, which might not feel comfortable. Yeah, I agree. I think if you're newly sober, it's probably important to have uh, some sort of a experienced person that you could talk to about maybe any sort of decision that you want to make. I mean, I, I won't speak for the newly sober person. I'll speak for me who, uh, who, uh, you know, I know fairly well. And I know that, um, when I, before I was sober, I rarely ever made a good decision or made a good choice. And uh, when I was newly sober, I was newly sober, and I was still really having a hard time as far as what's a good decision and what's a poor decision. Um, and it's very helpful to to find an experienced person that can say, you know, mm, JF, maybe that's just not the best idea for you. Maybe for you, with six weeks of sobriety or whatever, going to a place where there's going to be a half a million drunk people, maybe that's not a good idea for you. And maybe even with, what about 20 drunk people? Well, that's 
probably for me that would probably was not a good choice and once again i need to have somebody to talk to because i I need somebody that can do what i just said is like let's take a look at your life let's put things in perspective let's decide what's important to you and uh and then come up with a plan for what you're going to do and really in the grand scheme of things um for me anyway without sobriety i have absolutely nothing um so that is the most important thing to me and uh, I wouldn't do anything to myself that would possibly put that in jeopardy. Um, I might be able to be willing to jeopardize a lot of other things in my life. Foolishly, I might add, but that's one thing that I know I don't want to jeopardize. All right. It's really, um, you know, sitting here as our conversation has been going and it's happening organically because let's face it, we don't really make speeches be or write anything out before we do these podcasts. But, you know, I was sitting here thinking to myself, you know, for the people that are out there that are alone and might be feeling lonely and they've just quit drinking or they've decided that they don't have a good relationship with alcohol. Being lonely is something we talked about earlier today. And it was really, I really enjoyed what you had to share about that. Do you remember what you said? Um, I don't know which part you were talking about. but Just the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Like how loneliness is so important. Like we sit here and we think we're alone and the way we talk, how you also mentioned something about how we feel about ourselves. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Because that was something that I think people listening might find imperative. Sure. Well, I just I was I as I recall the topic, I was just discussing the fact that, um, you know, in my as I was drinking, the more I drank, uh, the smaller my world became, um, you know, and the more likely I was to end up alone um, for a lot of reasons. And, you know. I mean, one of the reasons was like people just didn't want to be around me after a certain point. Um, And what I found for myself that was and that was kind of okay because I could drink my way through. I could drink myself into a blackout and then guess what? Nothing bothered me. So what happened was I got sober and I had uh, I had no idea how to do anything sober because I hadn't done anything sober in a long time. I had no idea how to even talk to another person. Um, I certainly didn't know how to, you know, ask somebody for help or guidance or anything else. So I found myself very lonely, um, in the first year or two of sobriety until I found a, you know, a self-help group that I was able to become a part of and, uh, you know, finally put my ego aside and reach out to some people to get some help and become connected to something. But I found it was a very, very lonely, very lonely time for me. Um, you know, the only answer I had was to go to a blackout and I couldn't do that anymore. Um, and I was too stubborn and egotistical to, you know, let my guard down and try to connect with another human being. I had no idea. Like I said, I couldn't even have a conversation with a person. So it was terrible, but it passed. Um, but you went to self-help and you went to 12 step meetings. You found them, but the first one you probably didn't like Did did it take you a little while to find the group that you felt comfortable with. Yeah, um, I tried. Uh, a, I, I, I went to in the in the twelve step arena. I went to a variety of different meetings, and I found one. Luckily for me, that was uh, right around the corner from my office where I worked at the time, and that's where I finally got connected with with people. And you know, that's where I learned how to like do things sober. Um, and that's why I can go out and do a lot of things now um, that I couldn't do. When I was early in sobriety. But was it more important for you to stay sober or to stay connected with people at the beginning? Well, it was way more important for me to stay sober because I wasn't connected to people anyway. 
I mean, I didn't really have any good connections in my in my non-sober life. I had a family and I had work people. But other than that, I didn't have much because, like I said, I just I drank so much that my world became very small. Um, I wasn't, uh, you know, I mean, after after a fairly short period of time, most nights people weren't that happy to see me or they were happy to see me go. Um, and, you know, that's the way it was. So now your world's pretty full. Oh, yeah, I have. Uh, I I I would say after about two years of sobriety. It really it dawned on me that, gee, I wish there were 25 hours in the day because it just seems like if I had one more hour, then I could accomplish everything that I wanted to accomplish that day and do everything that I wanted to do. And, of course, you know, the truth is if I'm an alcoholic, so if uh, if I was granted a 25-hour day, I'd want a 26-hour day in, in no time. And that's okay. So you put in the work. You put in the work in the beginning. I did. not Not immediately. But when well, I mean, you put in the work by you went and you put, you pulled yourself up and you went to something that might not have been the most comfortable thing to do, which is going to a meeting where you didn't know anybody. And you went and you sat there and you listened and you oh, did yeah. it day after day. And that's work, right? It was for me because I couldn't, you know, I really didn't want to be there. I had no desire to be there. I, you know, quite honestly, I didn't even want to quit drinking. I just wanted to get out of trouble and stay out of trouble. Um, so what I was hoping for was I was going to learn the secret of how to do it successfully. And, you know, it took a while for me to, till I heard what I needed to hear, which was abstinence is, uh, the answer for this guy, you know, and I could, I was capable. The only thing I was capable of was what they asked me to do, which was JF, don't drink and make a meeting. Can you do that just today? And I could, and I did. And that was huge. And then you got into the 12 steps. Yeah. Took a while. But that was good enough. So you put in the hard work. It's kind of like the hard work that the Eagles put into. This, these Eagles put a lot. And they had some spirituality involved in it because I understand that these Eagles really, they get together and they pray and they worked really hard and they got, they won the Super Bowl. Sure. You know, I mean, it's, I, I'm a very strong believer in that, uh, you know, God gave us all whatever it is that we have. So anything I have, I'll speak for myself, any talents that I have, any abilities that I have, any common sense, any intelligence, any anything else, it all comes from God. It all came from the higher power. He made me. I didn't make me. Um, you know, and it's funny when I was when I was an active alcoholic, I took credit for all those things that God gave me. Like I believed that it was because of me that I was smarter than the next guy or whatever it was. And uh, I know that's not true. So it's really easy for me to be very grateful for everything that I have from God. And then um, to try through prayer every morning to say, how am I going to put what I have to to best serve God and like to be of maximal help to, you know, whoever I might encounter. And, uh, you know, my talents are are diverse and, you know, I'm not a football player, but I'm good at some other things. And, and I don't think those guys are any different. I think it, they know that they have that athleticism that they have because God gave it to them and it's their job to do the best thing they, that they possibly can with that, not for the glory of themselves. You know, I'm a very strong believer and I'm not here to indulge myself on this planet. I'm here for a higher purpose than that. And I think they believe it. And I think that's why they were able to overcome obstacle after obstacle after obstacle this year is because they weren't there for themselves. You know, they were there for something bigger and better than that, uh, whether it be the Eagles or the city of Philadelphia or football in general or whatever it was. You know, they answered to something higher. And that's awesome. 
to that, I want to say thank you to the Philadelphia Eagles. What do you say? Thank you, Eagles. There we go. Well, if you're listening to our podcast and you like what you that what we have to say, and you could tell your friends, if you could make a comment, if you could like Busy Living Sobers, um, if you like it, it would be awesome. Subscribe to our weekly podcast. That would be even better. And tell your friends about it, about Busy Living Sober, because we're just about out, you know, about going out there and sharing the message that, you know, life is worth living when you don't have to pick up a drink one day at a time. Amen. To that. Amen. So that's all we have for this week from Busy Living Sober. So get busy. Get busy living sober. And again, if you could subscribe to our podcast, we'd be thrilled and we'd love to hear your comments. You can always reach us at busy at busylivingsober.com. And again, Patrick, thanks for listening. Talk to everybody later. Bye.